show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. It'll be fine on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnumidium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Juice Wells, all the way, touchdown Gamecocks. Pressure, and he just dives in. All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios and built by the Barndo Code, the barndominiumco.com, where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot if you live in the Carolinas, in Georgia, or in Tennessee. We, of course, are served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. And I know a lot of you, I, matter of fact, I ran into a couple of people this weekend whom I've never met before. It was great to see you at williams Bryce Stadium and uh, certainly appreciate you uh, showing me your bottle of chicken cock whiskey. That was uh, very, very kind, and we appreciate what they do for us. It is fantastic bourbon, by the way, if you haven't tried it yet. Maybe you'll enjoy it this weekend as the Gamecocks travel to Athens looking to upend the number one team in the country, the Georgia Bulldogs. JC, JB, and Phil here until 1.00. John Little here in just a little bit, and then at noon today, Pat DeMarco will join us in our Talking Balls segment with him. Uh, you probably figured out last week we'll do some video and let Pat kind of break down some of the stuff that happens in the ball games. Largely good this weekend for Carolina in their 47-21 to 21 victory over Furman. Could have been a lot worse, but Coach Beamer went to the bench early, about halfway through the third quarter, and Carolina uh, gets a uh, gets their first win of the 2023 season. Plenty to talk about there, including the running back group, the offensive line, the defensive line, and so on and so forth. There's a lot of things that happened uh, that uh, maybe show signs of progress towards the future. Uh, with that said, though, today is just a remarkable day in American history, as we all know. September the 11th, 2001 changed all of our lives, and you see those changes still in the world today because of what happened 22 years ago it's hard to believe that it's been that long so make sure that you keep the families those uh, affected by this in your thoughts and prayers i know the tv coverage of course will be on all day long as it ties into our programming here a reminder that september the 20th 2001 was the first major sporting event in the united states following the events of september the 11th and that took place in starkville mississippi and it just so happened to be a 16-14 to 14 South Carolina win over the Bulldogs that afternoon in which both teams came onto the field carrying an American flag that was as large as the field, 100 yards. 
if you remember that day and that moment. It was really special, and the Gamecocks went out west and brought a victory home. But at the time, really not a lot of people cared a whole lot. It was more about what's going on with the future of the country. So thoughts and prayers, and always the memories of September the 11th. With that said, JC is in Chicago. He'll be back here soon. And Phil, as we know, is in the upstate Greenville. As a matter of fact, I'm here in the low country, and we're glad to have you. What's up, guys? Licking my wounds today after the Uh-oh. Bears got no. destroyed by the Packers. Yeah. Don't no. have much good to say about that, but it's not a Bears show. So I, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll change gears on that pretty quick. But uh, <laughs> about the best thing yesterday, I learned a new bratwurst recipe from the, the tavern. Yeah. Uh, they also brought them some Billy G's barbecue sauce. Oh, uh, they're going to start trying that with their uh, everybody knows Billy G's barbecue sauce and uh, the rub that he has. They're going to start trying that on some recipes. So maybe uh, a little taste of Carolina up here in the Chicago suburbs. But um, yeah, you know, the, the Gamecocks, I know it was dicey early. Um, you see that sometimes, especially with a team like Furman that's fired up. They had a good game plan coming in. Um, I thought Carolina settled in nicely. I thought they really took control of the game in the last few minutes of the first half and, and kept rolling. Uh, yeah. You know, what can you say about Spencer Rattler and, and his performances over the first two weeks? Uh, probably some of the best in history. Um, certainly better than a lot of quarterbacks around the country that got a lot of uh, – uh, hype this offseason. Uh, Spencer statistically he's done and he's made good plays and he, he's made good decisions too. I, you know, uh, just playing good ball right now. And like mm-hmm. Beamer said after the game, when you have a quarterback that's doing that, you have a chance to win every game. Uh, a lot of other things have to happen for them to win this weekend, obviously, but uh, you got a chance when you got seven. Um, and I thought, uh, Yes, coming out winning uh, the spread on that for uh, the folks that did align. Sometimes you don't have a line for the NFCS game, but Barstool did or Penn or whatever it is called now. Uh, 17 and a half Gamecocks covered the spread. Probably, you know, that last touchdown was against a lot of a lot of subs, a lot of guys that will play better football, right? Um, and what can you say about Lenoris? I mean, I, I, before I mention Lenoris, I want to mention Luke Doty as well. Luke Doty is a very good football player. Um, yeah. Glad to see him get reps at quarterback, but the work he's doing at receiver now, especially now with Amari and Brown, with a little bit of a hamstring issue, Luke is going to become very important to this football team as a slot receiver. He's fast. He's got good hands. Uh, he's a good receiver, you know. Uh, go figure. Right. <laughs> and uh, and I thought he played well. Xavier Leggett continues to be outstanding. Um, I think the game guys do need to get Juice Wells back. They need. It's just like they they probably just need one more big time playmaker uh, in the lineup. Juice played a little bit. He did catch a pass, but uh, I kind of have a feeling. Uh, I have two feelings on this. And as we know, I don't like to deal in absolutes because this game is not an absolute game. Uh, I like scenario uh, scenarios determine uh, outcomes most of the time. So, uh, you know, it, uh, there's one of two things. Either we're going to see Juice this weekend back to being Juice, uh, playing, big part of the game plan, that kind of thing. Or you probably start to get a little concerned about this thing being a lingering thing. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't get any bigger than playing the number one team in the country on the road in a border battle rivalry. 
Uh, Georgia is an important game for this program. It's the last time they'll play Georgia. I mean, the, I mean, the, sorry, the last time they won't play Georgia next year. So you, you got the shot, last shot of the Bulldogs for at least a season. Yeah. First time I think since '91 this game won't be played next year. But um, you know, I, I I I'd like to say Georgia's looked very pedestrian the first couple of weeks, and they have to a certain extent. But I also feel like that that bunch. I mean, you roll out Tennessee, Martin, and Ball State with them. How I mean, I don't care what kind of motivator Kirby Smart is. I mean, it has to be hard to sit there and get like extremely pumped up. Uh, and you bet your bottom dollar that crowd in Athens Saturday, three thirty oh, kick CBS. Uh, the Gamecocks coming to town. They're going to be ready for that one. Uh, you know, I, I don't. Yeah. I'm not yeah. buying into the fact that Mike Bobo is hamstringing their offense. I'm not buying into the fact that you know they're not that good. I mean, if you want to worry about a team, worry about Tennessee. And it, it amazes me because I, I hear people talk about, well, well gosh, because Alabama went down to Tennessee win the league. Did you watch them struggle against Austin P? And it's just like we said, Joe Milton yeah, was inaccurate. You know, I mean, and, and so when he's inaccurate, when he's not, I mean, that that offense can kind of bog down. So, um, so look, I you know, I, I think uh, I think all in all, a big sigh of relief because the the first half really was a little hairy. You know, just to be truth be told, it was not the greatest of starts. But you know, when you have a good team. And I think the game guys do have a good team. You, you respond, and you get out of there with a big, massive victory. Everybody's feeling good because everybody played. Lenore Sellers, like I mentioned, uh, I'll mention him now. There's a great chance for him to be a really good football player at South Carolina, and I think we all saw why. Uh, you know, Tyshawn Russell catching that pass. I think it's huge for that kid. You know, he was a, a recruit, guys, out of a powerhouse program in Pennsylvania. You know, you don't really normally go to central Pennsylvania when you're in the south to get speedy receivers, but this kid can run. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, LaShawn McCoy is a guy that went to Bishop McDevitt. So that's that's kind of the type of athlete they have there. Just one of those senior risers that uh, is probably a victim of everybody doing recruiting rankings way, way, way too early. But that guy's fast. And, and to have the concentration, I mean, Lenoris launched it. Tyshawn runs by the receiver in stride and catches it for the touch. I mean, that'd be what a beautiful play. Um, good to see Nick Harbour get his first touchdown as a Gamecock. I mean, you know, uh, say what you want. That was a nice catch over there. Uh, didn't look the most natural, but it, that's fine. Uh, and that's good to get him going. Um, you know, I thought the backs, the other backs besides the carry on and Juju, Mario and DJ looked good. Uh, you know, will they supplant? Those guys get more carries. I check in with people. You know, you got to remember it is an FCS opponent. So I'll go with that. But uh, the line played better, wasn't perfect. Um, the young linemen that got in ball and Braswell I thought held their own. Um, and you know, just a, just a good solid win over a really good F- FCS team. And you know, we'll see what happens moving forward. But um, it's. Uh, it was a it was a good win for the Gamecocks. Yeah, Phil. There's a lot. There's a lot to, and we're going to get through it. I mean, John. John will be here. Pat will be here, uh, and things of that nature. Let, let me get back to something that JC said just a minute ago about Tennessee and Georgia. Guys, the SEC struggling, and I don't. I don't. I'm not going to go as far as to say that they are down necessarily. I think there's a lot of stuff right now that's changing in college football. The transfer portal is changing it, 
and uh, coaches, and this is all across the country, not just an SEC deal, but um, but coaches are rolling out a lot of guys that they just they don't know. This is their first time playing for them, um, and and you know it's kind of a transition period. That being said, the the SEC is not off to a good start at all. They they, they got to get it together, um, and at this rate, they're not going to have a team in the college football playoff, and that includes the way that Georgia's played the last couple of weeks. Now, with with that said. There's a long ways to go, and um, and guys will start cleaning things up and things of that nature, and we all know that. You know, I, I thought Bama would beat Texas this weekend. I thought they, they'd they be the ones that won by 10 or more. They weren't. Um, you know, they, they've got issues. they got to figure them out. Everybody in the league has some sort of issues. Georgia is not running the football the way that they're used to running the football, um, and I know that they're frustrated in Athens about that, especially as you pointed out, J.C., with a couple of, um, you know, couple of no-name teams. I mean, Ball State and UT Martin, which I still have an issue with. There's the, the SEC should not have canceled the Oklahoma game for Georgia. Why? What did it affect? It didn't affect anything. So, I mean, so what? If Oklahoma plays – if they play this year and they got to turn around and play it again next year, who cares? I, I'm not sure why they canceled those games, but whatever. Um, Alabama and Texas played this year, right? So, you know, kind of kind of worked out there. Yeah. Um, I, I don't understand that, uh, but uh, anyways, that's for another day. But as it pertains, yeah, it's pretty. It was a, it was a strange ordeal, and and I'm sure it has something to do with the travel back to back. But who cares? So what? Whatever. That's part of the transition. Sometimes was, when you're changing leagues, it was money. It was because all right. So Georgia would not have gotten the return game, or right, or some, some kind of like. It was money. It was the, the reason was it because you wouldn't play the second part of the, the home and home. Georgia wouldn't make because because league, league games are different as far as the the gate split or whatever, uh, how much you pay because yeah you know, people people you know teams pay these little teams to come in and play them, but there's also money that changes hands when big teams come in. It's oh, just sure. not, as, yeah. not as much. Did they cancel the so that, a month? Well, the SEC did it, but the, it was really right. a money thing from what because they it wasn't. Well, we won't get that other half, so we couldn't come to an agreement on it or whatever. So, but no, I, I'd, I'd have played it, man. I mean, it, you I know, played the game. You play yeah. to win the game. I mean, if the <laughs> why, that, that doesn't make any sense. Let the teams decide. If they decide they're not going to play for financial reasons, fine. You know, I mean, that's on them. But the league stepping in and doing that, I, 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 the more and more I think about it, the more I disagree. But as far as yeah. this team goes, Phil, you know, 108 yards on the ground on on Saturday night. Shane Beamer is now 13 and one at Carolina when his teams run for over 100 yards. Mm. Phil, can yeah. he? I mean, it's, oh, okay. That that stat is glaring. <laughs> you know, regardless of how well you can or not. Yeah. Glaring. Yeah, yeah. It well, exactly. I mean, it was look, they and I know that it was firm and I I I said this this morning on Bill's show on 1075 the game. And um I've gone I've already rewatched the game. I watched it last night and you know, I talked to Michael about this uh Saturday night a little bit. Talked to somebody else yesterday. I mean, I'm sure plenty of people disagree with me and that's fine. It's nothing personal. Mario Anderson is the best running back on the team, guys. Period. I mean, DJ Braswell is the most talented running back on the team, and he's going to get there. But Mario Anderson is the best running back on the team. Um, you know, Juju is probably the most seasoned, simply because he's been a running back now for three seasons. Uh, DeCarion is still kind of – DeCarion Joyner 
inside the, I'd say, five to seven yard line is a pretty lethal threat. Uh, threat. He's, he's got big build, downhill, north-south, sniffing the end zone. He's done that his whole career. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as between the 20s, who's the best running back you have that, that sees it, feels it, gets it? It's Mario Anderson. It's, it's natural ability. I think his snaps should be increased. From my standpoint, I agree with you. For him, him and Brazil both. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that my biggest takeaway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, but I think I, will it happen? They, you gotta have. They gotta be on the field I, more. I, I don't see how it can. I mean, you gotta. You're worried about winning football games, right? I mean, you know. I mean, everybody here. I mean, we we all saw the same thing. I, I'm assuming on Saturday night. When I say we, not just us, collectively, everybody else out there. Um, JC, something you said last week. You hit the nail on the head, and I was anxious. I, I, I this was a sole focus and rewatching the game last time. I'm not some expert, we all know that. Trevon Baugh and Big Tree Babalade, they both played 47 snaps on Saturday night. And if you noticed, Gargiulo, Vershawn, and Jakai played 71, so they played a lot longer, right? But they were getting Baugh and uh, and Big Tree in the game early and often. I, I don't see. Even if Georgia's defensive line eats them up, I don't see any way those snap counts go down either. I mean, you've got to keep playing. They're they're just more talented. They are, and they're just it's they're going to have to get the rear ends kicked from time to time out there to figure it out. The game's going to have to slow down. They're going to have some tough moments, but but those that's your future. And watching them the other night, Big Tree was better than Trevon, but those are correctable things that you could you could see. It's not like he doesn't have the size, doesn't, doesn't have the footwork, doesn't have all that. He's got it. He just needs snaps. And and that's that's the future there. They're going to probably have to take some licks with it, but it is what it is. You're going to take licks there, or you're going to take licks with somebody who's older who just can't cut the cheese. I mean, I, I'd rather take my young guys and be able to coach them through it and let them gain the experience. I, well, I look at it like I'm, this, too, is that I don't think between the two of them, I think they had one penalty. And there um, were a lot I more penalties right. on. Yeah, there were a lot more penalties on these, you know, more experienced tackles and things like that that were, you know, that will end up being extremely detrimental when you're not playing an FCS team. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. JC. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm with you. I think you have to be. I mean, look, I, there's some guys in that starting group that played against North Carolina, also played against Furman that continue to kind of struggle. Um, and so sure. yeah. I, I think that you get to a certain point as a coaching staff. And look, I, I'm going to say this about Sidney Fugar. People don't need to just like write him off. The, the, I mean, he's not like, whereas Nick Gargiulo is a grad transfer, an older guy. And I think Nick's playing really well. Um, Sidney's got two more years in this program. So he's, he's a young guy too, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to write him completely off or Jackson Hughes or any of those guys. I think they're they're good players. They provide depth. But at some point, as a coaching staff, you do look at it and go, "Man, we got to get our we got to we got to play our most talented guys." You know, that match up with some of these outstanding uh, defensive lines you face. I mean, at South Carolina uh, and any uh, job in the South, really. Uh, especially in the SEC, you are facing the best defensive lines in the country week in and week out. I mean, they're if you went and ranked the best D lines one through ten in America, you know maybe a Michigan or Ohio State comes in, maybe maybe somebody else 
pops in there, but most of them are going to be Southeastern Conference football teams. So anyway, that's um, that's the deal. And, um, you know, I, I thought there were some positive moments. Uh, I think any time for an entire football organization, you can blow somebody out in college. Uh, fans are like, ah, it's a blowout, who cares? But for players, uh, just like last year, those get-right games were huge for South Carolina. Because mm-hmm. everybody gets to play, right? And all the kids, they emptied the bench. So everybody goes to practice this week feeling like a million dollars because they got into the game, you know? Uh, and you don't always get into the game if you're like a third teamer. So that right. it helps with practice. It helps with the, the morale of your organization, um, you know, and all the young guys playing. Xavier McLeod getting an interception was pretty awesome too. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was that was yeah. a pretty awesome moment. That's three that guys. Three picks in yeah. two games this year. Yeah. You know, for, for the game guy defense. Once yeah. again, they're pretty opportunistic. I, um, I yeah, yeah I, I love turn that. turn the ball over against a pretty opportunistic yeah. defense last week as well. That was a good thing. No, no. Still, they, they had the one, the Tanner, the Tanner Bailey fumble was it. And that was just a bad well, play. Yeah. That was just a bad yeah. play. Yeah, and that happened late. I mean, I felt bad for Tanner Bailey because every other quarterback they got Same. in moved the ball. And I felt yeah. bad. I was like, ah, oh, Tanner, man. <laughs> you know, but yeah, – I- uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, you know, there's some encouraging things. We'll see what happens in Athens this weekend. I don't, I mean, Hancock's, I think, are what 27 point underdogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's I, a big number. Look, you know, if if there's any, if, what do we have? Whittle at 1120 or 11:30, Phil? Whittle actually just popped in. If you want to hit a quick okay. break and then bring him, I'll in. Tell you, yeah, yeah, let's yeah, do that. Let's, let's, let's hit a timeout. Like, let's get John in as part of this conversation as well because. I always try to reserve judgment on a lot of this stuff. We hear things in the offseason. We regurgitate that stuff. Now we've seen eight quarters of football, and some things are starting to get a little bit clearer and uh, and want to mix John into that. Remember, we got Pat DeMarco coming up at noon as well. We'll get into some film room stuff with him uh, on the program and talk about the rest of the country because uh, college football is starting to look a little bit different at the top than it has over the last decade or so. So hang tight. Inside the Gamecocks, the show is powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. They are – flying around town i saw some cruising outside of williams bryce the other day what a great way to get from point a to point b if you're tailgating take yourself an electric bike up there it's a lot easier than hauling a golf cart up i-26 or down i-20 or wherever the heck you're headed from electricbikescharleston.com hang tight john whittle up next down here in the south we don't always see eye to eye While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the south in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the south. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barn Doe Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock, owned and operated. 
Hey everybody, this is Mo Coppa from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. that changed all of our lives as we uh, will watch some of the coverage of that throughout the afternoon and certainly thoughts and prayers with the American families that were involved in that awful tragedy. John Whittle joins us uh, to look back at the game this weekend and look forward to the dogs. One of the things we haven't hit on, Phil and JC, just yet uh, is uh, the, ball, the, the ballpark, the environment. Uh, Cocky's got a new ride. Connor hopped out of it the other night. The place was sold out. It looked good. The weather was terrible. Uh, earlier in the afternoon, yet we all somehow survived the lightning strikes and flooding to make it into williams Bryce, and it turned out to be a beautiful evening for football. John, your, your thoughts on the game day experience, the first one of 2023? Well, I, I'm just happy to see you guys back and to be back on the show. I, I know uh, I, I gave you all a really hard time last or, or last time I was on for taking Labor Day off, which I still stand by uh, 100%. But it ended up being the best decision ever. Uh, but with the way South Carolina played and then Clemson losing that Monday night, I'm sure that made uh, Tuesday a lot more bearable with uh, Monday Monday not happening. So congratulations on backing into a great decision. <laughs> yeah, Look, man, we you know, we're smarter than we look. Yeah, uh, so you know we we're we're not we're not that dumb. This is the way it works uh, out sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we're we're not that we're very dumb. lucky. <laughs> yeah, matter of fact, we might consider taking Monday off more in the future when they get beat. Yeah, <laughs> we'll just say, hey, look, with a loss, no show, exactly. no show yeah. for you, no exactly. soup for you, exactly. But, but uh, no, I, I I did think uh, I I thought everything about about uh, Saturday was was really good. Um, 
you know, I, I thought the team improved a, a little bit as the game went on. But the 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 uh, the pregame atmosphere was was incredible uh, for, from the get go. I was I was really taken aback by how many folks were were there at the game physically in their seats just because of how bad the weather was. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in the hours leading up to kickoff, and and uh, you know, coming off a really disappointing um, loss to to North Carolina. Uh, FCS opponent. I, I, I thought the atmosphere out, out there was great. Um, there, there was some sluggish start on on defense, I guess, and and uh, some not hitting hitting things the first uh, two of the first three offensive series. But o- overall, I thought it was a, a really good day for the Gamecocks, uh, and certainly from a fan standpoint, I, I thought the fans really showed out and, and were were incredible. Have they named that Cockaboose? Because I like it. I like what they've done there. Well done. I, I haven't caught a name if, if they have, but I'm I'm kind of with you. The more I thought about it and processed what I was actually watching, you know, the the more I the more I kind of liked it. Um, yeah. You know, I, mm-hmm. I I was a little bit hesitant to uh, to see what was going to happen that was different. But besides Cocky's magic box, that's the only thing I've ever known watching South Carolina football. Yeah. So so mm-hmm. uh, I, I I thought it could go really wrong, but I, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Yeah, somebody the other day said, well, they've been doing that box for 20 years. I'm, I said, well, you, damn, you must be young. They've been doing that box for 40-something years. Yeah. Um, it's been around a while. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe they're – that's a – that's a guys, that's a that's a potential moneymaker for the university. They might want to reach out to, like, the Polar Express or something in western North Carolina and see if they want to, you know, put their logo on the side of that thing or something uh... like that. Um. JC, do, do you, what do you hate Christmas now, JC? Last week, you know, we let's, let's go every week our, boost. The cocky, I don't know, man. We, I'm we just get Polar I, Express. I call my guys at Grain and Barrel. We get it could be the Chicken Cock Express. They could ride in with a bottle of bourbon. Chucky, cocky could get all liquored up before he comes yeah. out of the top of that thing. Somebody in the chat, I said, Cockaboose <laughs> tree ornaments ASAP. I dig that. You get a little ornament yeah, with cocky in the train. That, I could see that. I'll buy it. That's a brilliant idea. I'm with you. I'll buy a I'll whole buy box of those. I just don't like that movie, The Polar Express. I just think it's it's like why. It, but I'm I'm yeah, but, picky with Christmas. No, I'm talking movies. about the actual. Like, I don't. I don't, li- I don't like a Christmas story either. I know. I know what you're talking about. But I, I, I don't like the movie, so therefore I hate the attraction. You hate I mean, Christmas. like if I don't like the movie uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, I'm not going to go ride it at Disney. You ha- you say you hate Christmas is what you're saying. That's, that's not- unbelievable. You're going on Last week you were on Shane's in our agree or disagree segment. We put you on Shane's naughty list. This week you're going on Santa's naughty list. That's a it's tough to get off Santa's naughty list, dude. <sighs> Look, man. All right. Well, um, JC birthday is the day after Christmas. So I'm sure you harbor some resentments for the holiday when you know all your <laughs> gifts get wrapped up into one. Dude, I love Christmas. <laughs> I, what are you talking about? I'm just picky about Christmas movies and my energy going towards certain uh, festive uh, <laughs> the, the, the time of the seasons. I, I think I just I'm just uh, like like I don't like the movie A Christmas Story at all, but I love Christmas yeah. Vacation. See, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. okay, that's fair. We'll do. We'll uh, we'll have more of these conversations in December. Um, John, I, I I I we we talked a little bit earlier about some of the position groups for the Gamecocks. Let's talk about Dow Loggins. Um, I, I personally really like what he's doing. He, he, we heard him last week, right? You were there. He said we need to kind of start getting some of these 
these uh, swing passes and just use the use the passing game to kind of extend the run game a little bit, so to speak. It's exactly what they did this weekend. Uh, he had the right personnel in there to do it. And it seemed to work. Yeah, and they and they tried to do that at times uh, in, in that game against North Carolina. They did a few things to to try to slow down that that pass rush and and, and create some plays. And you know, with with South Carolina's uh, the way the way the run back group. Uh, his his kind of shaped up so far. You have to do some things to to uh, have have some extensions of the run game, whether it's with a Marion Brown or, or Eddie Lewis, or or you know they got Xavier Leggett involved a couple of times. They they did uh, some different things with some different screen passes and, and delays uh, with with handoffs. You know I, I I thought they did as much as they could against a team like Furman to uh, to to help out the run game and help out the offensive line. That being said, they're probably going to have to do a little bit more of that and, and in some different ways here this coming weekend against Georgia because obviously Georgia's defensive line is, is much closer to to uh, North Carolina's than it is to Furman's. So they're going to have to uh, continue to be creative and, and hopefully they have some things that they haven't shown uh, on, on film, haven't put on tape for, for what they can do this weekend. Yeah, I agree. Um Bold statement of the day. I'm not a big bold statement guy, but here's one for you. I think Mario Anderson's the best running back on the team. I think he needs to play more. What do you think? I don't disagree. Um, you know, I, I don't know that you're going to see that right now immediately with, uh, you know, how they feel about DeCarry and Joyner. And DeCarry and I thought had a pretty good game the other night against Furman, yeah. but but uh, I, I really liked what I saw out of Mario Anderson. Um, he he just he looked more like a running back out there. You know, he was able to to get away from some guys who were trying to tackle at his feet. And you know, that, the carry on wasn't able to do that against North Carolina. Um, you know, he just looked more natural out there, and really everything that he did at the position. Now, I mean, that might be because Dakarian was playing his first two games ever at that position here in the last two weeks. So, I, I don't think they're going to toss out Dakarian, and I think he'll probably still start this weekend. But I think you're going to, as time goes on, you're going to be seeing more Mario Anderson in there, and and he could eventually take over that job. Yeah, I agree. I think Braswell will continue to get reps too. He he's he's getting there. It's just going to take him some time. Juju needs more. He got ten snaps this weekend. He's got he's got to get more than that. They probably know that. I'm sure. I, I doubt I'm breaking any news here to the coaches at Carolina. Um, couple. You mentioned Eddie Lewis. Uh, I I've been in JC. We, we talked about him a lot in the off season. Um, I I liked him at Memphis when he committed. Went back and looked at some of his stuff. And he hadn't had a lot of PT. Clearly, Amarian Brown has been that guy. He goes down. Lewis gets in the game. Did he, in your eyes, maybe earn more? I mean, there's only so many snaps to go around. So you can't put 22 guys out there. You only put 11. But I mean, you know, it, it it seems like he's a he's a heck of an athlete as well. Did he earn more? Well, and that's 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 kind of the problem at the running back position right now too. Is there are only so many snaps to go around? You're talking about wanting to get Juju more than 10, and you know Mario Anderson more. Uh, I mean, the Carrions I think are going to come down a little bit, but but by how much? I don't think they're going to drop off that precipitously right now, at least. So so yeah, snaps are snaps are going to be difficult to come by. But but in Eddie Lewis's um, uh, sense, like I. I thought he looked great out there. You know, I was a little bit surprised we didn't see him against North Carolina um, in 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 a meaningful role, and and uh, especially with how good he looked against against Furman. I mean, he he moves really well. He's slick out there. He moves a little bit like like a Marion does. You know, I I, I thought he looked great um, making catches. Thought he looked great in his punt return. You know, I I, I 
I, I would like to see more Eddie Lewis, depending on how long Amari and Brown is out, whether it's whether it's a week or whether he's just limited or, or a couple of weeks. Like we'll we'll see. But I mean, I, I think you've got a really good guy in his place. I, I agree. Say, regarding yeah, AB going down, like who fills that role? I thought Lewis would be a great pick for that. Doty has shown you know, some aptitude for being a receiver. Like who would, if if John Whittle were making that decision, who do you start Saturday? That's a great question. I mean, I I like what Luke's done also. I mean, they're they're pretty different players. Uh, I I think Eddie's a little bit more, more fluid out there and and can make, can make, uh, can make a guy miss in space a little bit more easily. And, but I, I like what, I like what Luke has done in terms of, terms of how he's caught the ball and and uh used some speed and, and some burst to get by guys so you know I, for me it's it's probably probably a toss-up in in terms of or about even in snaps not a toss-up but about even in snaps and just kind of kind of depends on situation but you know i like both of those guys and if both of those guys show out while while marion brown is is uh is out he may not get all of those snaps back, <laughs> you know, a, a, but AB can also play some other spots too. There's, there's uh there, there are good problems at wide receiver right now, in my opinion. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. And I think Nick Harbour is just going to get better and better uh, again. Tyshawn Russell. That's impressive for a true freshman on that kind of play, a scramble play to, to just keep, he kept his stride going ran right by the DB. Boom. Ball falls right in his hands. He called it. A lot of freshmen, they're you know those kind of plays are the ones that, that freshmen sometimes drop, you know. But he didn't, and uh, I thought that I thought ball he was really in the good. bread basket. Yeah, Eddie Lewis to me. We have that play coming up with Demarco. By the way, we're gonna yeah. let him break it down if, for us. If you watch Eddie Lewis at Memphis, you know his stats. You know, it's kind of I think he was like a what a thirty-seven catch guy for about six hundred yards. But you watch him return punts at Memphis. And boy, he's special. I mean, you know, I and I know AB has worked hard, and uh, actually, get, you know, with the exception of the one drop, I, th- I think he's off to a pretty good start this year, being a, a, a higher profile part of the offense. But you know, I I'm with Whittle on this too. I think Doty, you can you can actually use Doty and Lewis because they are different types of players. Um, you know, just uh, like, like like John said, good good problem to have, and, and you're going to need everybody. Uh, this weekend, everybody. Yeah, well, I, I want to jump in and say I, I agree on a Marion Brown. Like I, I think coming out of that North Carolina game, if he didn't have that fourth down drop, obviously he did have the fourth down drop. But if he didn't, I think we're talking about him in close to similar vein as as we are Xavier Leggett. I mean, he he made some nice catches, made some really nice moves after catches, blew by some people with his speed. I thought he looked great up until that fourth down drop, and he just got got a little greedy and turned that head a little bit too quickly because uh, he, he makes that catch. But I, I'm, I'm very impressed with, with Marion Brown so far. I was really disappointed to, to see him get hurt the other night, but at least it's not as serious as it looked as, as he was coming off the field. Yeah, and we'll get an update on that from Shane tomorrow. That To your point, uh, how he kind of jukes and jives out there, that, that play as they were headed towards the south end zone where he literally did stop on a dime. Like I saw the dime on the field. He stepped on it and then stopped on another one. <laughs> And gained another few yards. It was pretty impressive stuff. Um, uh, the we'll come back to the offensive line in just a second, John. Um, but um, the the tight end position, 
you know, love Trey Knox out there as a receiving tight end. I think he struggled still even this weekend to, to block well. I think Josh Josh Simon is the best overall tight end on the team. Uh, when you watch him play, everything included, you know, being able to block on the perimeter and catch the football and all those things, he, he's getting more reps as well. He's another guy I think as time goes on we're going to find out is um, going to have a bigger role. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I I haven't been too impressed with Knox from a from a blocking standpoint, um, you know. But I those, those two guys are, are going to continue to be I, I think more involved in the in the offense going forward. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised we haven't seen more opportunities for for both of those guys yet in, in the in the receiving game. Um, so I think we'll probably end up seeing a little bit more. I think we're going to see a, a little bit more from a, a two tight end set standpoint going forward you know they opened the game uh on, on saturday with, with two tight ends out there and, and didn't do much of that as the uh as the game went on uh by my eyes so but i, I think we probably see a little bit more of that uh, going forward when we get into uh uh deeper into sec play and and you need need some guys out there out there helping their their offensive line and their quarterback so so Knox is going to have to step up and block a little bit better but he's looked nice when he's gotten the ball ball thrown his way and I'm, I'm with you on Josh Simon I, I think he's looked really really good in all aspects of the game when he's gotten an opportunity that's kind of why I waited to talk about the offensive line until now I mentioned to both these gentlemen earlier I I'm a big believer in both freshmen that played they've got 47 snaps a piece this weekend according to the infamous John Little snap count on thebigspur.com. You do a lot of math on Sundays, and we appreciate that. Um, that's, but the, That's a difficult job. Yeah, that's well, – where's, I, the, I, where's I, the intern? I think I did that. Well, I think I tried to do it for like two weeks back in 2010, and I was like – What you need to do, John, is get you a bottle of chicken cock and, and, and have about three or four glasses of that and then try to do it. Ah, shoot. Did I get to 47? It would drive me nuts you know? to have to do it with only the TV, you know, screen <laughs> angle. Like, 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 John, do you get access to multiple like... angles here that you can figure out who Man, all we're, we're just going to have to get the, the, the chicken cock and whiskey, and I'll just make up numbers. It'll, yeah. it'll be <laughs> hey, hey, Hunter Rogers played 17 snaps at left tackle. Yeah. <laughs> Scott down is, is a typo. I, I had him down as 151 instead of 15. And somebody responded to somebody responded to the post. Bands must be pretty tired after that one. So I, I, I figured he's South Carolina's Travis Hunter. Can't, just can't, we, there for every snap. can't we make this easier on you? Like, isn't there somebody that Shane has employed in the football office that has this stuff? You just call over and be like, hey, man, can you give me the snap? Oh, dude, that's like getting – Top secret. That's like breaking into the CIA to get that well, information. I, John uh, put the information. He's gonna put it out. I mean, he might be one or two off, and he could be that off. Like, it's not like one guy's gonna be seventy-eight snaps, and he only. I don't played know if 30. they still do it or not, but Clemson, Clemson puts that information out there. Oh they, yeah, they dude, have, I love. See, yeah, they have all their total snaps, and then add them all in for the season and and whatnot. I, I know they. Did that at least up until a couple of years ago. I don't know if they're still doing it now or not. All right. Well, see, there you go. I mean, just use that. Use that again. Who, who do we need to call for this? Do we need to call Beamer? Who do we need to call? Think, Steve. Look, yeah, Clemson's it, doing it. Everybody think, it. It'd be a think thing because it's <laughs> on, they've on, never Steve done up. it. They'll, they'll tell you if somebody played or not. It's participation. They'll say it's, these guys got they, in. 
They won't give you the number. But though. they don't. They that's, don't do the, the specifics. That's why we have the elite mathematician John Little. But to your point, though, I mean the forty-seven for Baugh and and um, Big Tree. I mean, look, I I mean we've watched eight quarters of football. I've seen every tackle play. I mean, John, I I personally think that they're you're not you're not losing anything when they're on the field. I think the more that they play, the better they're going to get. I mean, they might have a little bit of a humbling experience in Athens this weekend, but that's going to make them better in the long run. Your your thoughts on what you saw out of those guys, the tackles in particular, this weekend? And I guess the point I was going to make is Gargiulo, Jakai, and Vershawn all had 71 snaps. So they did continue to employ the interior throughout the ball game, but they're trying to figure out that tackle position, as, as noted, with the snap count. Yeah, and um... – you know, for, for me, I, I, I think at least Gargiulo and, and Lee have both played at least relatively well and will probably probably stay in there for the long haul. You know, I, I think Ja'Kai's been, been okay at, at times. But, you know, as far as the young guys go, like, I, I think they're going to keep working those guys, guys in there with an eye on having them be starters here sooner rather than later. And when I say sooner rather than later, I mean later this year, but – soon in their careers um yeah. you know we it's it's hard for o-linemen to, to go out there and and uh and, and play as, as true freshmen and you know dylan wanham was was one who i've pointed to a, a couple of times is is somebody who they they played a little bit here and there to, to get him some experience and then went into that bye week and, and inserted him as a starter in their right tackle when when jake bentley went in there as, as the starter at, for a quarterback after, after that bye week so uh, the bye week comes a little bit earlier this year after after five games, I think it is. So, you know, may, maybe maybe you see a, a, a big tree out there starting at, at left tackle by by that point in time. Maybe you see it earlier if he shows he can handle it. Because uh, I, I think JC said this, and, and I, I agree, that, that he he played pretty well early. He, he had some mistakes a little bit later, and that's what you get you know, is a freshman, I, I think you're, you're going to see some inconsistent play. So, you know, put him out there some, grow him up, um, you know, get him a blow here and there, coach him up a little bit um, and, and just let him keep growing. But, you know, I think that's what you're going to see out of tree. I think that's what you're going to see out of out of ball. Um, you know, I think you would want to want to see wanted to see that out of out of Marquis Anderson. He's he's missed some time in, in camp due to injury and missed the first two games. He's he's probable for this week, but I think you're gonna see him get get some snaps here and there as well. I want to ask all of you, I, after rewatching the game last night, um I felt coming out of the game on the defensive side that Jordan Strawn had played better. Uh but that I I was like, I just want to go watch it again. So I watched last night. Jordan Strawn, I thought, had a really active game. Um, I, you know, his stat book line isn't full or anything like that. But um, y'all's thoughts on on his performance? He he was he was very active in the backfield a lot. He looks like he's moving as well as he's been moving for a while, and that's a good sign. Yeah, I mean, I I, I thought he looked pretty good. Um, you know, I, I thought the defensive line as a whole got a little bit better as the game went on. Uh, I didn't think they started out well at all, and, no. and uh, had had a very poor first quarter, quarter and a half of, of football. Um, you know, when you play six quarters and don't have any sacks and only one tackle for loss, and in one of those games is is or, or two of those quarters is against Furman, like you're you're really questioning what what's happening on on defense over there. And, I know that 
that, that defensive line, their their job is is uh, a lot more intricate, especially on the interior, than just just making plays in the backfield. But you, you got to make some plays in the backfield too, and, and cause some havoc. And, and they weren't doing that, especially early against Furman. But I, I did think Jordan Strong got got better as the game went on, along with the rest of the defensive line, and, and made. Got got his hands up and 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 got after the the quarterback a little bit there in the second half. But you know when he got blocked by by the quarterback on uh, and let that let that uh, let the quarterback um, or excuse me let the run break to the outside uh, didn't didn't set the edge well enough by get, getting blocked by the quarterback. I, I thought that was a little bit disappointing, but I thought he did did some good things and and moved around a little bit better than uh, than maybe I was expecting. Was that a block? I thought that was more of kind of a tackle, but yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I thought I thought it was good enough. I, I thought it was a good enough block. So you wouldn't have thrown the flag. You you would have let it go. I, I'd, I'd have left it in my pocket. Okay. TJ right. Sanders had a pretty good game too on the interior. I agree. Of the, yeah, you're right. Line, yes, you're you're exactly right, JC. I, I I thought I thought the defensive line, it, it, like John just said at the beginning of the game, I I, I thought it looked. I'll be honest. I thought it looked terrible. I thought they were soft, and and I'm still a little unsure about the future of the tackles. But um, you know, maybe they're getting better. I don't know. Well, there's yeah, no reason I, for them not to be good. I mean, we've seen Taka Hemingway and Boogie Huntley play really well. Nick Barrett and TJ, we've seen them play well. Yeah. Elijah yeah, Davis, where, where's Robertson, and, and hear what he has to say about how how he wants his guys to play. And you would you would expect that physicality to to go up tenfold. And yeah. and uh, I I thought those guys played pretty well at times last year, and you know just really haven't th- this year in in my estimation. I did think they got better, but they're still not they're they're still not where they need to be. No, they yeah. better they better find it before this weekend because you know yeah. Georgia hadn't run the ball all that great against their first two opponents, and it's going to be embarrassing if they go down there and get pushed around. Uh, which could happen, but uh, they need to. They need to go find, go dig deep, find something, light some candles. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> do well, like Serrano, Serrano in Major League, sacrifice a live chicken. I don't know. I don't know what you got to do. But they, they got. They got to get it together. I mean, they, they seriously got to get it together. I just picture them like starting a bath and, and and putting some bath salts in there. I'm not sure lighting candles and is is the right. The right method for the uh, <laughs> for, the for a D lineman of the chicken. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll say this. I mean, we we, we have not uh, we've not brought his name up. Xavier uh, Leggett is he is uh, he's turned into the next great wide receiver at South Carolina. I mean, he leads the country right now in receiving yards for Power Five receivers. And um, I think all those – I know the only ones in front of him are not Power 5, and I think a lot of those have played three games. Um, so he, he just – he looks uh, unbelievable, not to mention his quarterback. I mean, I mean, we've watched all the best quarterbacks in the country this year. Caleb Williams right now, if you ask me who's the leader to win the Heisman Trophy, he's probably the leader in the clubhouse again uh, at this point in time. It's so early. But I have not seen a quarterback who's been more accurate than Spencer Rattler John and you know you you just sit here and think gosh if they can just continue to improve up front just keep improving just keep improving just keep improving I I don't know what we could be looking at by the end of the season if he stays healthy yeah he's he's been incredible I mean I 
it, it, it sounds like I'm saying two different things, but he's been really aggressive without putting the ball in jeopardy. Like, I, yeah. I mean, I, I think he's made great decisions uh, in, in where to go with the football and, and when to throw it. Uh, he hadn't uh, – I mean, I, and I think he's done a really good job of, of keeping his eyes downfield, especially with the pressure that's come on him. I, I just think he's I, – I think he's played nearly flawless football, um, you know, in his first uh, – call it six, seven quarters – First, first two games. I mean, but Leggett has been Leggett's been great. Um, he's he's uh, his wide receivers have made plays. There's only that I can recall really been the one drop by by a Marion Brown. Um, so I mean, they, they the the pass game has certainly certainly looked really good, and I, I imagine that uh, you know that's caught the eye of, of the Georgia defensive coordinators over there, and and uh, and what South Carolina has been able to do from. From a pass game standpoint, because because Rattler's in the zone, his receivers, especially Leggett, seem to be in the zone too. Yeah, I, it's a good point. Had he played the whole game the other night, he he wouldn't be leading the country uh, in passing yards, but he'd probably be in the top three or four right now. He's up there already. Shoot, I think there's only maybe two or or how, how many two or three Power Five quarterbacks ahead of him. Here, let's pull it up. Uh, Caleb Williams, Michael Penix. The kid from Vandy, but he's played three games. Uh, that's 250 yards a game. And then Hartman, that's it. So, 83% of his passes he's completed. That's yeah, it's, 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 I mean, it's, yeah. And they haven't all been little swing routes. You know, there have been some mm-hmm. that have been little swing routes, but he's he's been pretty aggressive down the field. He's made throws to the sidelines. Uh, I mean, he's been he's he's done he's done really well. Yeah, I, I, it's it's it's. I don't even know how to explain what he's doing. I I, I think he's. I mean, I would say accurate. most of the incompletions are you know within ten yards of the line of scrimmage. Like he's the deep balls are getting there. Well, you know, but like you're, yeah, like you you've got this is a. I think personally, and look, they might not score a point this weekend at Georgia. I have no clue it's coming, but I mean, regardless of the offensive struggles because they couldn't block anybody in the first game and some of the other issues they feel like they're trying to work through. You do still feel like you're watching a true offense out there. McDowell Loggins calls plays that set up plays, and he calls plays that work for players. And that's at the end of the day, that's what it's kind of about with him. What players do we have? What can they do? And then how can we use that to set up plays? And so far, I mean, I've I've enjoyed what I've seen through eight quarters. How about you all? Yeah. I mean, has it been flawless? No, but I'm sure Dowell will tell you. I mean, he, he said it. He'd like to have some of those plays back, uh, you know. I think yeah. uh, it's, it's been it's been it's been enough. To, like you know, it's been enough to. I think his play call has been enough for them to win both games. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I, you know, whatever happened in the red zone the other night against North Carolina happened, but uh, and I know that the short passes drive people crazy sometimes, especially when they're ineffective. Um, and, and I think that's everywhere in the country. Uh, I see fans griping about that all the time. But there's a reason they do that, and it's pr- probably because they're so limited in the run game. That's an extension of your run game. You hear that phrase a lot. Uh, this this pass is an extension of the run game. Yeah, and it is. It's true. Um, so so that's why they do it. You know, you try to you know get something going short yardage-wise or whatever and set up those second and favorables and third and favorables. So – uh, you know, I, I think he's done a good job. I mean, you know, I, I think that when you play Georgia, you know, I, I, I think they'll be a lot more aggressive downfield, you know, because you're 
that's a different situation than playing Furman at home where, you know, <laughs> truth behold, I know that's an obvious statement. Uh, tr- truth be told. I think one of those dogs are going to be a little bit better than Furman this week. Yeah, I mean, tr- truth be told, you're, you're, I guess Furman, you may be trying to work on some stuff and, uh, okay, well, sure. let's see if we can. Absolutely. We can. I mean, there, there's no, there's no let's go work on. Game. Yeah, yeah, you got to go try to win the game. So if, if they throw it 60 times this weekend, it <laughs> wouldn't surprise me. John, before we let you run here, uh, this is going to also – I'll piggyback on JC. Let's just be Captain Obvious for a little bit. Your keys to the game this weekend for South Carolina to have a shot in the fourth quarter. <laughs> um, play play much better on both lines of scrimmage is, is, is a must to not get – to not get even blown out, like for forget yep. yeah. forget uh, winning the game, but um, I, I, I'm, I'm with JC. You have to hit big plays uh, against against Georgia. You know, I haven't gotten to watch much of them this this season, probably because they played teams like Ball State, and I haven't been interested. But um, but yeah, it's I, I think this game is probably too much of a reach for. For, for South Carolina with the way, with the state of, of what the both lines of scrimmages look like, but you know, I guess I guess stranger things have happened. But you're, you're not yeah. going to be close if they you have. don't, you don't well, play much better on the line of scrimmage. 2019 it, it, was a pretty strange thing that happened in Athens, <laughs> that's for sure. If you look at Kirby Smart's defense, I'll say this: uh, there's there's just a couple of times since they've really got it going that teams have been able to to score on them pretty easily. Not easily. Nothing's easy against those guys. But all of those teams are good downfield passing teams. Ohio State last year, uh, Alabama in the SEC championship game. Uh, keep in mind, Alabama's receivers got progressively injured. <laughs> and, and then by the time the national championship game was over, that was it. But uh, uh, And then Florida in 2020, uh, the Gators had the, the best pass. I think they set a national record for passing yards. Uh, and, and so, hmm. look, you know, that – that's been effective against that style of defense, and we'll just have to see what happens. Turnovers. Got to have turnovers. You got to turn them into points. Nope. You can't win that game without that. I mean, you're not going to beat them toe-to-toe. You got to make them turn it over. So, John, we will uh, catch you next week, and hopefully it's a week to remember. We'll find out soon enough, won't we? <laughs> well, I'm just happy that I'll be on here two weeks in a row. Y'all aren't taking next Monday off, I guess. No, we're not. <laughs> We're going to be here next month. By the way, I, I saw Coach Kingston on Saturday, and I said, how'd the thing at uh, Fort Jackson go? And he showed me some photos. I said, dude, you and uh, Monty, y'all look good, but how'd Matt Williams do out there with all that? He said, yeah, he struggled a little bit. <laughs> well, well, uh, I, it, it, he's, got, he's got enough work to do with those pitchers. He can, he can, he can mess up whatever else he wants. As long as he gets those pitchers right, I'm, I'm sure that King and everybody that's else that there will be, be be quite content. Yeah, that's right. He struggled a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> his first year here, putting him on blast. You haven't even had him on your show yet. <laughs> I do. I, I, I we will, we will, we'll, we'll show pictures of the uh, Fort Jackson thing and see what see what he how he responds. Well, appreciate appreciate you guys having me. See ya. There you go, John. Will Thanks, John. Go, coach. Went good, man. Me, you and Monty are in shape. How'd Matt Williams do? Well, he struggled a little bit. It's a very diplomatic way of putting. It. Sure. 
Uh, hey, Lance is, uh, Lance is, Lance is in form. Got to hit a timeout. It's noon. Fat DeMarco talking ball up next inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndoka. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer, just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Phil, are you just cutting on here? Time for talking ball with Pat DeMarco on Inside the Gamecocks, the show, part of the Chief Sports Network. All right, it's 12 o'clock. Week two is in the book. Hour two is beginning. On Inside the Gamecocks, the show teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com. It is 
and we will uh, continue to have our thoughts and prayers and feelings with all those affected by what happened 22 years ago here in the United States. But what's happening today is Pat joining us for another episode of Talking Ball. Talking, talking. There's no G in Talking Ball here on our program. We should uh, have some kick times coming up for week four, I would say in the next 10 to 15 minutes or so. Uh, so as soon as we get that, we'll know when the Gamecocks will play against Mississippi State at Williams-Brice Stadium. What we do know, just released by the SEC, is Spencer Rattler has been named the SEC Offensive Player of the Week for his performance against uh, Furman this weekend in Columbia. So with all that said, though, the very handsome and talented and funny Pat DeMarco joins us. What's up, man? Uh, what's going on, guys? Uh but uh, what do they say? Winning makes everything better. So Monday is a lot better today after uh, after a W on Saturday. I'm with you. I think they go 11 and one now to wrap up the uh, regular season, and uh, they'll <laughs> win the SEC championship and right on into the playoff. Now, yeah, got the loss out of the way early. The, I mean, that's what you so, do. That's no. what North Carolina almost did that when the Gamecocks beat them in uh, what was that? What year was that, guys? 2015. Yeah, they they didn't lose again. They ended up losing the in the ACC championship game to Clemson, and then lost to Baylor. Got slaughtered by Baylor, who Baylor didn't even have a quarterback that game. That's why Art Browse pretty good play caller, right? Um, But they, uh, yeah, they they went on a run and um, and ended up uh, doing pretty good there. Yeah, yeah, they kind of worked out. Maybe Carolina can fall in line with that all right pat um i i we're gonna we've got uh, some film to get to with you here in just a little bit but they do win 47 to 21 it score would have been probably a little bit more lopsided had the large majority of the starters not come out of the game in the third quarter but it was a feel-good win your former ball yeah. coach coach Spurrier, once said it's 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 good to get games like this in because everybody plays and everybody feels good and um, maybe they can carry that into Athens this weekend. But let's let's start in the backfield with the running backs and the two guys we did not see in week one, Dontavius Braswell or DJ mm-hmm. Braswell and um, and Mario Anderson, the Stratford High School product, get their first carries of the season. Uh, your thoughts on their performance? What did you see? Yeah, I thought um, – I mean, you, you see flashes with DJ just with his speed. Um, I, mean, I remember just the one play in specific when he kind of turned the edge, running out to the left side, and he kind of got the corner. Um, you just saw the stress that he puts on a defense and a defender when he gets the corner. I think um, I think the kid took a very ambitious angle, um, knowing knowing how fast DJ was. Um, so I mean, I don't know how productive. I didn't look at his exact numbers, but I definitely think he looked comfortable and looked. Looked he looked like an SEC back out there, um, from from just the little work he got in, and then I was actually impressed with Mario. Um, you know, from his first action, uh, I thought he he made the right reads. He stuck his foot in the ground and got vertical. Didn't try to do too much. Um, I think played within the play. Um, and I, I, how many carries did he have? Three or four? Um, six. Six for 32 yeah. yards, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's efficient, averaging over five yards a carry. Um, and, I mean, when he's coming in there, 
like you, you got to be real too. Like Clemson knew we were going to run the ball towards the end of the game, keep the clock running, um, keep the game going. No reason to, you know, throw the ball over everybody's head. But um, you know, to be able to run the ball when teams know you're going to run the ball, um, that's a good that's a good thing to be able to do. So uh, I thought both of them looked good. Um, you know, I definitely would have liked to have seen a little more efficiency in the first half running the football. I just think, mm-hmm. like I've said a million times on the show, it's like if you're able to run the ball and run the ball successfully, it sets up everything else. Um, and, I mean, goes into why Spencer Rattler was the player of the game, player, the SEC player of the week this week. Like, dude's playing at an extremely high level. Imagine how much higher that level is going to be when you can be efficient on first and second down um, running the football. So you can't bank on him. I mean, yeah, it'd be nice to – I don't think it'd be a safe bet to say that he's going to go 27 or 29 or whatever he was week in and week out. Um, so if you can help him from a sense of being able to run the ball, um, it's only going to make it a heck of a lot better. Oh, I, I disagree. I think next week he'll probably won't throw an incompletion, <laughs> to be honest with you. He's yeah. uh, he's only getting better. Um, no, All right, so one of the things we've been talking about around here today is – the fre- are the freshman tackles that played in the game, Travon Baugh, Big Tree. You've been around them personally. They are as large as advertised. Yeah. Uh, so I, the question I want to ask you, though, isn't about evaluating their performance or anything like that. I, I want to ask you about the challenges of being a true freshman playing offensive line in a league like the SEC. Yeah, I mean, you're 18 years old and you're – one year removed from blocking the number one overall pick in the NFL draft, <laughs> Jalen Carter. Um, so it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, you you, know, you graduate high school and you're the best player on the field and then you get to college and you hopefully get on the field. Um, and then once you get on the field, you know that you're probably the least experienced player on the field. Um, so, but I think, I mean, I think it's so good. It was so good this week to get those young guys to play, to get their feet wet, to get some experience, to get some bumps and bruises and feel what it's like to not be playing in a practice setting and be able to play in a, in an actual game setting. So I no, I think that was huge. I mean, we talked last week about it. You, you, you needed those guys to get, um, get the freshmen out of them in the very first game before going into Athens and, um, and experience it. Well, they they I thought they look they almost got fifty snaps apiece, and yep. and generally when you see that, I mean that, that was their first action, first game. Here you go, bam, forty seven snaps. I mean I, I'm just kind of predicting here, Pat. I have no inside knowledge of this, but it does it does seem like the plan is to continue to probably increase that number. I mean just based on how we've watch the trends of college football over the years. You get a true freshman, you believe in him, you put him out there, he plays well, you play him again, you play him more. Yep. No, that's that's kind of the model. Um, you show you can do it and then let you keep growing. Um, you know, the only – yeah, I mean, you take them off the field, they're only going to regress. Um, just, you know, play in, play out. You, you, you start seeing stuff, you start seeing stuff faster. Um, you can start playing at a higher level, playing with more confidence. Um you know, but I, it's you're you're still a freshman playing against the number one team in the country um, coming up. So, 
you got to take the good with the bad. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's not saying these guys can't go out there and completely dominate these guys. Um, you know, sometimes ignorance is bliss too, right? You can go out there and um, I mean, I think kind of having the mindset that if I go out there and kick ass, awesome. If I don't play well, you know, I, I wasn't supposed to play well. Um, so I, I think that there's, I'm excited to see how they respond um, in a game like this, playing against um, an elite level of talent and, and just showing what we're made of. Like that's, that's kind of, um, I mean, shoot, I remember it was my senior year here when we beat Alabama when they were number one in the country. Um, and we didn't go into that game thinking we were going to lose, but we knew we were playing against the number one team in the country. And we knew we had to really elevate our plan and our play that week to, to give us a chance. Um, so no, I think mm-hmm. I, I'm just excited to watch the game this week and, um, we're not going down there for it, but it's, it's going to be fun to watch and see how we match up against the elite of the elite. Um, you know, I, I thought we at, at times played really well in the very first game against North Carolina. I think North Carolina is really good. Um, but we got two games under our belt now. So we've, we've had a little more trials, um, crowd runs at it. So. It's yep. going to be good. I mean, Juice was healthy and, and played last game. I know he didn't probably didn't have the the stat line he wanted, but it was good to see him running around out there and finishing the first half and, and playing like he did. Um, and X had another killer game. Uh, um, I mean, Trey talk Knox about him, man. Yeah, Trey Knox is playing at a high level. Um, DeCarion scored touchdown again, two games, two touchdowns. So. Um, no, I think a lot to be excited about. Let, let me ask you about the tight ends real quick. I, I, look, the more Josh Simon gets on the field, I, I've talked about this kid for months. I mean, I, I love his game, man. And you see mm-hmm. him play. He, he seems to want to put his face in the fan. We're talking about the, the freshman tackles. What what can you do? You got Trey Knox, who I, I don't think is blocked well personally. Pat, who am I to judge? But yeah. I, I personally think of the tight ends that have played. He, he's been the one who's needed the most work out there at is getting in front of somebody doing doing his job from that standpoint. He certainly catches the football. Um, but Trey Knox and and Josh Simon, those are your top two guys at tight end. You know, what can you do against a team like Georgia? You, you know their defensive line is elite. You know that you're going to have some young guys and you it, it, probably at the tackle positions here, and you got a bunch of dudes up front who are still all kind of trying to put it together. So as an offensive coordinator, what can Dowell do to give those guys some help and support that ultimately, of course, is beneficial for Rattler. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, just in the whole game planning process, there's a lot of stuff you look at. You look at different packages, different fronts, coverages, tendencies. You try to find stuff like that that's going to give you the best chance to succeed. Um, and just from my two years coaching, I mean, playing's a whole different monster. You just you, you get the install and you master it, and then you go out there and execute. But from a coaching standpoint, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of that goes into it. Um, but I think at the end of the day, going against a, I mean, Carolina's a darn good football team. Um, like how we match up, I, I don't know X's and O's wise. And from just a personnel standpoint, how we match up against Georgia. I know they've over, over the past couple of years, they've had a really good front seven. Um, I don't know how their secondary is this year. They're probably experienced, but, um, I think, you're, you're going to have to find – and this just goes like 
I, I go into the keep it simple, stupid philosophy where let's find out what, what, what is South Carolina really good at? Um, we've, we've been good at throwing the ball downfield, getting one-on-one situations and going up and making plays, um, letting Spencer make off, off scheduled plays. Like I think that's when he plays at a really high level is when he can make, make stuff happen. Um, but also I know it, it frustrates the heck out of a lot of fans and stuff when we spit the ball out wide and, you know, whether the blocking's there or not. But, I mean, A.B., Marion Brown hasn't caught many balls down the field yet, but he probably has four catches this year, and he's probably averaging 16, 17 yards a catch. Um, and a lot of that's just on quick little bubble screens where he's been able to slip through, break a tackle, and take off. Um, so, I, I mean, I think you have to – Find out what you're good at and just do what you're good at. Don't try to don't try to do too much and get too creative. Um, find out what you're good at and give me your best shot. Yeah, outside of the uh, wild and wacky upset uh, in 2019, in, in case anybody was wondering, South Carolina in the last four contests against Georgia has been outscored 174 to 53, which is an average of 43 to 13 per game. And uh, they're certainly going to try to turn that around. All right. Um, we've got uh, some plays from this past weekend, Pat, that uh, just like last week, we want to get you to look at and kind of tell us what you see or what you saw, what, what kind of was going on out there, good and bad. There's a couple of things that we'll show that Furman did that I wanted to make sure that I included um, because moving forward with better athletes, better football teams and things of that nature, uh, we'll see these guys probably – they're going to see it on film, so they're probably going to use it from time to time. And, Phil, you can kind of get it going here early in the game in the first quarter, uh, just under 10 minutes left. Uh, you already mentioned it just a little while ago, Pat, that, that, that it seemed like early in the game, the first quarter, the first, I'd say, quarter and a half, they, they, they Carolina struggled. A lot, of it, a lot of it was a big-time struggle here. So you had this trick play, and they throw it down the sidelines, and it's Marcellus Dow that kind of got lost out there. What would you see? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, moving parts on this play right here, right? I mean, they got jet sweep motion. They have kind of an overload. It it, it was goes into a three-by-one with the back leading. Like, there's just – there's a lot of numbers. And when you start jet, jet motioning and doing all that stuff, there's a lot of added gaps. So, when you look at kind of the run fit, like the safety has to shoot. You know, Marcel's dial is outside contained, so he has to make sure he keeps outside leverage. The guy kind of stop blocks him and then takes off. Um, you know, everything about about it looks like run. Um, yeah, I mean, you see here, you see Debo's now second gap fit. That safety has to be uh, first gap fit, and then Dial has outside contain. Um, and, you know, your eyes are in the backfield. Like, you know, your, your eyes are trying to figure out there's a lot of action going on in front of you, and he just – he took his eyes off, off his man for a second, and he slipped past him. Uh, now – the encourage the encouraging piece here is they got this guy on the ground. They're able to play football again. I think they scored on maybe was it fourth down they scored. I think it was think, yeah fourth. I down. think it took them four downs to score. Which usually you give up a big play like this and you're like dang like they're down here they're going to score anyways. But I know a philosophy that that Clayton White has is put the damn ball down. Um, and they made him do that and they, and they made him work for this touchdown. Um, but you know like that's. That's something you got to expect. You know, you're playing against an inferior opponent in Furman. Um, you got to expect some trickery. You have to kind of tell your guys to, hey, be on high alert, especially early on, because they're like 
when this game like it did in the second half when it got out of hand, there's just no coming back from it. Um, so Furman was going to give you their best shot, and they did early. Um, so this is just a play where you know you, you'd love you love for it to not happen, but it is going to happen, and, and they bounce back, and the offense was able to score coming right after it, and and all that. So you know it, it's it's a it's definitely a learning a play that you learn on. Um, you know, a lot of action going on right in front of you. Um, you're, you know, your eyes go in the backfield trying to stop the run, and boom, he drops back, and it's a bomb over your head. And Phil, just got, just keep going kind of to the next play, and we'll we'll talk through it till we get there. But uh, Marcellus Dial quickly, you know, before this next one gets up here, your your thoughts on his play thus far this season, uh, Patty? He really hadn't been targeted a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, obviously he had the most reps under his belt going into the in the defensive back room um, this year, uh, especially at the corner position. So he, uh, I think he's played well. I think he's, he's definitely, you can tell just from his presence that he's taken on a little bit of a leadership role too. Um, and he's starting to get out of his comfort zone and bring people along. I mean, OD has been here a while, but OD hasn't played that much. Um, and OD's playing, I think he's playing at a pretty high level too. And I think that you can credit that to Marcel pushing him and telling him, Hey man, like, you know, we had two guys get drafted from this room last year. Shit, why don't we? Why don't we be the two that get drafted this year? Um, so, and yep. I, I, I think that's a real opportunity. So, no, I, I, you're right. He hasn't been. I, I mean, they probably thrown at him three or four times all year. Um, yeah. And I remember, I think one of the plays you have later is actually a ball caught on him. Um, but I mean, he's he's a good football player, and he's smart. And T. Gray has those guys groomed in, and. You know, he has them studying hashes and what foots up and tendencies and all that stuff. So um, that's a position that, you know, there's a lot of stress on it, but, you know, you alleviate that stress by doing your homework and that's studying during the week. All right. Uh, the next one here, under a minute to go in the uh, second quarter, all knotted up at, at 14. Again, it was a little bit uneasy there for a while. South Carolina seemed to be kind of trying to find their – find their footing but as we well know here in the last minute of the first half uh, the Gamecocks put a couple of touchdowns on the board uh, and um and this is one of them right here I think uh Phil if it's if we can get it going there it is yeah so you, you got Rattler in the shotgun and he throws one deep and they score here what would you see what happened good time good protection yeah I mean good protection you see some games inside too those games uh, it doesn't really matter who you're playing against like games can get confusing and the fact that that left tackle and left guard were able to pass that off and, you know, hanging here on the double team as long as you can. Like, that that's that's kind of the name of the game. Let's stop the penetrator and let the looper come to us. Um, so, I, and I think just from a protection standpoint, this was obviously a six-man pro. You see Juju checking. He has check res- or chip responsibility there, but the DN spikes inside, so he kind of spits out and runs his little swing route right there. Um, but from the – from from the three receiver route concepts up at the top, I mean, you had it looks like it's like a little exchange where you know you got the first guy kind of clearing out, and it lets Luke do an arc release and put pressure on that safety. Um, I'm not sure if he clipped feet or clipped clip foot or something, but he tripped and fell. But you got three guys kind of penetrating to the exact same position, which just puts defenders in panic mode. Like, all right, now we have to figure out. Is this guy breaking in? Are you taking in? You know, a lot of them do top hat where they take inside guy, take outside guy. Um, so there's a lot to really decipher here. And, I mean, Luke's, you know, he's 
he's shown that he can be a receiver, but Luke's just one of the best athletes on the field at all times, whether he's playing quarterback, receiver, running back, blocking punts, whatever he's doing. But they're finding ways to get him on the field and, and get him involved. Um, and here we go. He's a smart football player. He sees the guy kind of slip a little bit, and he just burns right by him. Um, and I would imagine that's probably his first receiving career touchdown yeah. ever. Um, so pretty cool on a, on a big play here, 36 yard touchdown pass. I mean, that's, that kind of sparks you up. And I mean, that might've been the momentum play that kind of changed the tide, right? Like 14, 14, about to go into halftime. You're like, how the hell are we still tied with Furman going into halftime? This ain't right. Um, and then obviously that play happened and then we score again later in the, in the, in the, in the first half. I think we get two scores here, don't we? Isn't it? Wasn't it? Yeah, twenty fourteen going into halftime. So I mean, this was kind of the fuel that that sparked the fire. So Luke yeah, Doty, receiver, quarterback, punt blocker. Uh, is he on kickoff return too? I mean, kind of jack of all trades. I don't know. Did I? I don't know if I saw on kick return. I'll have to go back and and look at that. Yeah, and Phil, you can go to the next one now. But uh, uh, we mentioned it at the top of the show. I don't know of many teams in the country that um, that have two guys on the same offense that have thrown, caught, and run for a touchdown. Caron's got two of them. Luke Doty yeah. and to carry on Joiner, yeah. uh, both low country former quarterbacks uh, who probably can still get in there and play quarterback if necessary. So here's one of those bunch formations here, Pat. Tell us what's going mm-hmm. on. Here, wind back. I had. I, I'm not going to lie to you guys here. I haven't done as good a homework as I did last week. Um, <laughs> busy morning with the kiddos. No, um, it's okay. This is the play at the end of the half here that, that he throws down and Leggett goes up and gets it to kind yeah. of put him really in a good spot to score the second touchdown in that final minute. Yeah, it, it really more what we're talking about here is 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 what the what happened up front with the offensive line, uh, and then Rattler being able to kind of roll out and make well, something he, happen. He he's a creator. Um, I mean, and I and I said this even last year when I was in the building. Like Spencer is at his best, not on a five step drop where he's ripping on his back foot. Like Spencer is a creator. Like just like he was at Oklahoma. Like the kid just has a knack for making plays and making throws going down the field uh, when plays break down. Um, you know, he's really good at playing backyard football. And here's one where, you know, Xavier Leggett, arguably one of the best receivers in the country at this point statistically, he's got – I don't I don't know anything about this DB from Furman that's covering him, but I would throw the ball up to Xavier Leggett every single time if I got a one-on-one man coverage and a jump ball opportunity – um, and there he does, and, you know, tides have turned, 14-14. Now you're up one score, and now you're about to double dip here again and get another score. So um, just another example of X going up there and high-pointing the ball, getting himself in a dominant football position, undercutting the guy, and just going up and making a play. Um, and, yeah, I mean, looking looking the ball all the way into the catch, um, taking it to the ground, and, and you know, six-man pro there too. Yeah, it's uh, he's he's not arguably. By the way, he is uh, leading the country in receiving yards for Power Five receivers, which is that's pretty cool. remarkable. All right, early in the third quarter here, uh, Furman trying to you know they get the football to start the second half, and they're driving or trying to drive and get this thing back to a one score ball game. Uh, they throw this little slant route here, and you might wonder, well, why why are you putting that in there? They hit that play a lot on Saturday yeah. night. That was that was working for them. It's on tape. It, it's this is not going to be the last time we see this route this year, uh, Pat. So kind of tell us how a slant route 
how you make that successful offensively and defensively, what you need to do to 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 prevent that from being a uh, a staple in a in a rough Saturday night if too many of those get completed. Yeah, well, I mean, it looks like looks like Carolina isn't like a one robber there, um, where they're in man coverage, one high, and then the robber is is, is stone there, and they're probably banjo in the back where. You know, you got two linebackers for one running back, and if the back releases to your side, he's your man, and then I'm the robber. So he's the extra guy kind of spying in the middle of the field. Um, but up top, it's it's just double slant. It's one of the it's, – it's day one install on everybody's offense is you, you got two guys running a slant. Inside guy has to cross the defender's face to clear out for the second guy. Um, and, you know, our DBs are an outside leverage here, so they kind of have open access inside. And, you know, the one thing about – Running slants, though, is the ball placement has to be really good. You know, if, if Stones a, is a split second faster, he might get a hand on this ball. He almost does. Um, so, I mean, it's you get him on the ground, it's third and eight. You know, you get him on the ground, you line up and play football again. Like, it's not not an end-all, be-all. It's a, it's a tough play to make. Um, one-on-one outside, you have outside leverage, and then breaking route is your is what beats you. Um but you also have no help outside, so you have to force the guy inside. So, I mean, it, it was a good ball placement um, and a good execution on Furman's behalf to to convert there. Um, you know, third and eight, you, you'd love to you'd love getting off the field in third and eight, but uh, as long as you can line back up and not give up a big play, you know, it's not an explosive. That's just a, a first down, and you know, you get to play some more football. This one was explosive. Lenore Sellers gets his first playing time of the season and he did not disappoint those that uh, have had high expectations for him proved to everybody why they do uh pat what do you what do you um what did you see out of this young man um you, you see him hand the football there too to uh mario anderson uh, we talked about him at the top but you know anderson getting his lone year of gamecock football he's probably going to get more snaps lenore sellers I, I would anticipate more than likely is going to end up moving himself into that that uh, that number two role in the quarterback room. Yeah, uh, I thought Lenoris played really well, and I've been really excited about Lenoris since spring ball. Um, you just feel a different presence with him out there. He's a big old dude. He has a great personality. He has the leadership qualities and traits that you want in your quarterback. Um, you know, and I think over the last, I mean, look at the look at Spencer's growth from last year to this year, just having Dow Loggins. Um, kind of being his head, co- being his coach and mentoring him. Um, I only think that Lenoris's growth is going to be at a similar rate as that, especially, um, you know, having this be his first college coach. Um, so, yeah, here, I mean, it's just it's it's wide zone here to the strong side to the tight end, and you know, there's there's no read on this one. It's a flat out handoff. You see, Lenoris doesn't even, you know. He, they're not reading number zero. What would be zone read? It's just a full-on handoff, and um, I think we just Anderson, overpowered. We Anderson just overpowered. runs hard, man. He does. He's a, he's a little bowling ball. Um, yeah, you know yeah. he's he's probably five nine, five ten. I don't know what he's listed at, but he's probably two hundred and fifteen pounds. He's squatty. He's got some of the guys were joking down um, pregame on the sideline. He's got some big old quads. And I said, yeah, he does. He's strong as an ox. Um, <laughs> So no, I mean this is when you run wide zone. Wide zone is a is a press press the line of scrimmage, make your cut on the heels of the lineman, and get north south. Um, a lot of um, 
a lot of people talk about it like, hey, why do you cut back here? And, and I, when I learned it when in in Atlanta under Kyle Shanahan, it's, it's it's not a cut back, it's a cut up. So stick your foot in the ground and get vertical. And that's exactly yeah. what it does here. It presses the it presses number sixty two uh, or number fifty five, Jakai right there. Jakai has leverage on the guy, but he kind of flips it, and Jakai turns and presses him out, and that tells Mario, "All right, I'm pressing him, and then I'm getting vertical right off his block." And he did gain four yards after contact there. So I want to say he got hit at probably what the forty yard line. He drug him all the way to the just just past the fifty or the 40, 45. 45, yeah. So, I mean, then that's an efficient run right there. Second and six, and you gain nine yards um, on a simple run. You get hit. Shoot, you got hit there at two yards. Um, so he's right. just dragging people and and running through. But that's what that's what you have to do um, at the running back position in the SEC. No one guy should bring you down. It should take a community of them. And and uh, and Mario did that right here. And you know, I think getting reps of that wide zone run system is only going to set up more of what Dow wants to do in the play pass, keeper game, RPO stuff. So, like, just getting efficient and being able to run the ball at a high level and having blocking schemes that you guys are comfortable doing and comfortable comfortable calling against a bunch of different fronts and pressures. Like, that was something we did in the NFL. During OTAs, granted, you have a lot more time, but we would have our – base install and we'd have five or six runs we'd install each day and we would block it against every single front known to man so um an over front an under front an even front an odd front a bear front a cub front um pressure looks you'd block it against all these different things we'd just basically run the same play all the way down the field every 10 yards we'd block it against a different front and just march down the field doing it um that way, anytime it gets called in the game, you know how to block those runs. Here's the play by Lenora Sellers that had really everybody talking on Saturday night, Pat. Um, I think what, special. yeah. What? Why is it special? Why do you? Why do you say that? I think it's just a freshman with the courage to not, the courage to go make a big play. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a, a lot of freshmen, I think are more let's do the safe play, let's get the first down, let's continue moving the ball forward, or I'm a better at like here, he's like he can scramble for the first down. Like sure. he, he has the edge. He can go ahead and take off. Um I also think like this goes into the the relationship that Lenoris is building with those other freshman wide receivers hitting Tyshawn Russell on this big play too is like he has confidence in his young guys. Like they're not getting reps with the ones that that's Spencer and that's juice and that's X. These guys have been practicing together over the last six months, eight months. Um, so they have the confidence to go out there and rip it and know that Tyshawn, he, he's going to go get this thing if I rip it out there. Um, so, yeah, I say special because, you know, it, is he like the completion, the, op, the chances to complete this pass are probably – you know, 60-yard ball in the air, trusting the guys. You know, they got a safety over the top. The DB's not in a bad position. It's probably in the 10 15% range, maybe lower than that. Um, but he but he says, screw it, I'm going to rip it. Um, and he does, and, and it's a big play and big touchdown. And I think that's a lot to be excited about, that he doesn't just take the easy way out here and go scramble and pick up the first down and let's see what happens the next play. So let, I'm going to go make it happen right now. 
How about the ball placement here where he throws it in the in the back corner of the end zone? Yeah, I mean that's um that's an elite ball. Um, you know, with the way that when you run a go route or, or a wide and go, whatever it is, you're always told to save safe space. And usually on the practice field there's a red line. So they, they say hold the red line. And obviously there's no red line on the infield. Um, that's strictly for practice, but Tyshawn Russell, like you hold that red line to give the quarterback room to throw you outside, but you do have room that you're not two yards from the sideline. The ball is automatically out of bounds. So Tyshawn does a good job of saving space out there and allowing Lenore space to, to throw to the sideline. So, cause here, like if Lenore throws this ball inside, six makes the play on it. Uh, but since he throws it outside and he, and Tyshawn saves space, like there is three yards for that ball to get down in, in spot. So that's a 60 yard throw on the money from a freshman to a freshman. That's, that's pretty special. Um, and that's a lot to be excited about. That's a Spencer Rattler throw um, as a freshman. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you and we can, we'll cut the video there, Phil, cause we're, we're out of time with Pat, but I did want to ask you since you mentioned that Spencer Rattler throw, I think that, um, on top of the fact that you have an NFL offensive coordinator calling plays for you in Dow Loggins, I, I'm not sure if you're if you're Lenora Sellers, if you could have walked into a better situation for the future of yourself than the one you walked into at South Carolina. There's no pressure to go out there and perform and do anything. And the guy that you get to watch every day is Spencer Rattler. And and you're not just learning about the, you know things we just saw throwing the football and this and the other he, he, you're learning about a, a lot of stuff off the field think about everything that spencer's been through in his collegiate career how, how could you put that into words for the rest of us i mean what what spencer rattler is meaning to that quarterback room and certainly to the talented guy like lenora sellers yeah i mean lenora's is getting a free mentorship program <laughs> um and and, 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 and free John um so and i mean not only that but like I, I went into the game with Connor, you know, he was a celebrity starter, which the cockaboos coming on the field was pretty darn cool. Um, I agree. I like yeah. it. Uh, yeah. I, I liked it too. Connor was a little nervous going into it. He's like, man, if this thing, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Am I signing a waiver before I hop off this thing or what? <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I walked out there with Connor and immediately when we got on the field, he links up with Dow and, you just see the relationship blossom and that's from a coach to a player. And I mean, they're six years, maybe even longer than that removed from, you know, him being his coach. That's a long time to still have that relationship. And like, boom, they locked eyes on each other and they walked to each other, gave each other a big hug and we're chatting there for a little bit. And I let them have their time. And then I walked over here. And I said, Oh, you two pals are linked back up together. Um, and they're like, yeah, you can be one of us. You just, you just weren't as talented. You're, you're not a quarterback guy, Pat. You're a blocker. Um, so, yeah, I was like, yeah, whatever. Well, you couldn't have completed those passes. If it wasn't for me. Um, yeah, but um, you, you had no. some ammo. You could have finished that conversation, but you're a kind guy and you didn't do it. So yeah, or I just would have like got him straight pullback mode and just pancaked them both. Um, yeah, right. But I'm, but I'm a nice guy, like you said. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, no, it, it, I think that, I mean, for Lenoris to step in and have Spencer Rattler in an NFL uh, OC quarterback coach, like, there's a lot for – and Lenoris is the type of kid that is a sponge. So he's sitting in there, 
and he's writing down notes when nobody else is writing notes. He's taking stuff in when nobody else is taking stuff in. He's um, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch over these next couple of years, guys. Um, I think he's one of those special players that um, can make some stuff happen in Columbia, South Carolina. So um, he's he's going to be special, and and especially to watch Spencer do it and learn from Spencer and and when. And when he gets chances to go in the game, just like he did this game, and go in there and make plays, it's only going to create more, more and more buzz and excitement. Pat, we'll let you run on that note. The one final quick question and quick answer, the real question we all want answered. How bad does Buffalo beat the New York Jets tonight? I think Buffalo is going to have a little fire in, in their ass. Um, this week, especially with all the with all the ammunition you got from the Jets being on hard knocks and hearing all this and all that about you know you know they have this corner that's out of this world they got this receiver out of the world they finally got their quarterback now um, I think Buffalo is going to make this a statement game with it being a division divisional game division rival. Um, you know, Buffalo's been so close the last two years to taking that step and and getting into the Super Bowl and, and doing what everybody wants to do and becoming world champs. I think this is going to be a statement game for them to go out there and um, and make sure that everybody knows that the AFC East goes through Buffalo, New York, um, and mm. and that's the only football team in New York State. Uh, let's be real: the the New Jersey Jets <laughs> and the New Jersey Giants. Um, those games aren't played in uh, in New York State. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well, they put that games. Uh, they play it um, in New York tonight, right? Or in uh, at uh, they're, yeah, they're MetLife. MetLife. There you go. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. Well, if you plan on going to a Bills game, you better you better get to one before about October the eighth. Pat could be the first one to tell you after that. There's about four feet of snow in there for all the rest of them. So yeah, I'm going up October 26th, Thursday night football with uh, my son Weston and a couple of our buddies Ooh. here from Columbia. So th- they asked me like, "What should we expect otherwise?" And I was like, "Could be 50 and sunny, or it could be eight degrees with two feet of snow on the ground." <laughs> you're the you're the gambling man. You take your bet. <laughs> well, let's we'll hope for the colder weather because they've got the Bucks that day and. Um, I'm, I'm with you. I, it's going to be cold regardless in that time. You heard, you heard it here first. The Bills finally win the Super Bowl this season in uh, in honor of the great Pat DeMarco, former team captain Pat DeMarco. Yeah, uh, those were good fun fun years up there. Great Man, nucleus, great organization. Well, we 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 can't. You're great with us, and we we can't do it without you. Really appreciate the time, extended time today. Uh, good stuff as always, and. We sure hope next Monday is uh, is a lot of fun around here. It would be probably the biggest win in school history for Gamecock you know football. They, pull it off. You know, in the NFL, what they call Mondays after wins, they call them victory Mondays. And usually you don't have to go in uh, and have all the meetings and all that stuff. Usually it gets all pushed off. Um, hopefully next Monday is, is, is exciting and victorious, and we'll be celebrating victory Monday next Monday too. Dude, I hope you're – Pray you're right (laughs) for the sake of everybody involved, no doubt. Thanks, Pat. Yep. See y'all. There you go. The great Pat DeMarco talking ball with Pat DeMarco here on Inside the Gamecocks. 
the show. We are served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. It's some of the finest bourbon whiskey in the country. Make sure you've downloaded the Chief Sports app. You can find it near you. Just click on the Chicken Cock Challenge, and you'll see the little button. Find me, and you can find it wherever you are. Type in your address. We have got to hit a timeout. We are way late for that. Hang tight. We will dabble in college football. What happened around the country in the last time Alabama was defeated by double digits in T-Town? might remember it. We'll tell you about it right here when we get back. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style, and seconds, they're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in the Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Hey folks, it's JB, and as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com, and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Electric Bikes of Charleston! 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 
Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. I uh, what did just you saw do? The tweet. I just saw the tweet from Eric Church. He said, "Last night we did something that we've never done before. We played the entire Mister Misunderstood and Chief albums from top to bottom." Thanks for joining us. And there's these pictures of him with his old Von Dutch hat on. So he put the hat back on, Dude. put the original shades back on, and went out there. And you know, did why didn't you do it in Illinois? I gotta have a word with him. That's, that's I mean, look, I'm, I, I, I've, the set list was a little – I don't want to say it was underwhelming because it was really good. Um, just a lot of new stuff that, you know, I, I don't always have an affinity for not, – not all the new stuff. I like some of the new stuff. It's just uh, – I, I want to I hear a little, uh, you know, a little Talladega. <laughs> some stuff like that. I mean, I don't they didn't play there. Talladega up there? Uh-uh. uh-uh. Oh. It was uh, – it was, uh, I think they, they did play Sinners Like Me. So that was, and that's probably my favorite song. So yeah, it's a, it's a damn good one. Ah. It's a damn good one. Speaking of, uh, speaking of sinners, there's a lot of Alabama fans doing just that after getting beat by Texas in Tuscaloosa on Saturday night. The last time that the Tide lost by double digits at home, mm-hmm. October the second, two thousand and four. That would be the night the Gamecocks went in and beat them twenty to three. It was. It was not the most watchable game on the planet. I was there. There were seven combined turnovers. Alabama uh, did not complete a third down that night. They also did not complete a fourth down that night. They were combined 0 for 12. They were held to 210 yards by the Gamecock defense, and they had nine first downs. That's it. Nine freaking first downs in four quarters. It was a masterful defensive night. Carolina got their fourth win of the year. 
and you probably all remember how the year finished. They only had six, and they didn't go to a bowl game because they got in a fight. Yeah. That was disappointing. That, that, that game was probably the high point for that team that year, and that team actually – well, in 04, got off to a great start. You remember they had Jay Cutler and Vanderbilt. It was one of those Vandy openers. There's been about three of them where they're like, this is our chance to knock off the Gamecocks. All three have been in Nashville. Uh, the only one, uh, I mean, two of them have been pretty close. 2012 scared the, you know, what out of everybody. Uh, and then uh, Muschamp got the first win up there in 2016, which was probably – Probably a game the Gamecocks uh, escaped with, if you want to know the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but that 04 team, I was in I, my first time ever going to Nashville. I went to that game, me and two buddies of mine. We drove through the night from Georgia to get there. Uh, it was a noon kickoff, so we tailgated in the Holiday Inn parking lot. And I remember going to Ted's Montana Grill after the game and promptly passing out because um, it was so hot. But Carolina beat the snot out of them, 31-6. The next week, Georgia was ranked second or first in the country it was it was the year david green and david pollock's third in the country yeah Yeah. thomas davis david green david Pollock. that was their senior year right um and if it hadn't been for auburn being really good that year i think the dogs would have probably that that was that auburn year where they had cadillac and ronnie and they beat it pretty good but you know carolina had georgia down 16 zip Oh, it was At a wild home. start. You had the oh, safety. Oh, man. Yeah, the Troy safety. Troy took the ball 65 yards. Yeah, 65 yards. Coe Simpson had a pick six. Coe's pick, yeah. Man, Carolina's dri- driving at the end. They're driving toward the end zone I'm sitting in where the student section is now. And Dondriel Pinkins had like a third or fourth and a half yard. Yeah, big Dondriel was. So they made a good call, a quarterback draw, and Thomas Davis hit him so hard. Uh, I felt it in the stands. Yeah, that's how good that. Thomas Davis. Thomas Davis. I loved watching him play. I didn't like that play, obviously, because from the Gamecocks perspective. So they blew that, but then they came back, man, and won some games. Uh, we got to four and one, and that Alabama game was great. Seville Newton played really well at quarterback uh, that game, and they come back and play David Cutcliffe. It was his last year at Ole Miss. It was their worst team, and Cutcliffe for some reason. I don't know how this works against the Gamecock defense. Rotated three quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and they threw. And that 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 defense that held Alabama down in Tuscaloosa the week before got shredded. Carolina lost. I'll never forget. I was in the other end zone watching Fred Bennett uh, give up the game-winning touchdown. Uh, and Ole Miss, a bad Ole Miss team, beat them thirty-one twenty-eight, and the wheels sort of fell off from there. There was that win over Arkansas that got them to bowl eligibility. But uh, certainly, but Mike and Mike Rath saved the day in Lexington. And, and I, yeah, dude, Mike, Mor- Mike Morgan was on the call for that one. Uh, I think that 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 clip is somewhere. But uh, and then the fight was just unfortunate. And, and Carol- Outside of the end of that season, that defense was really, really good. And at the end of the year, they they struggled. Well, the game. and then in, against Florida, uh, you know, Zook was already fired, and they had, they had Chris Leak. Um, but the news had broke about Spurrier earlier that week, like yeah. that weekend, like Thursday. That's that was right. just the most unfocused team ever. Uh, and then they go up to Clemson, and Clemson just had their dude. And I think Leroy Hill was still playing for Clemson at linebacker. They that that Clemson group with Whitehurst and all that just just had Carolina's number. I mean, they 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 just weren't getting anything going. Fumbled the opening kickoff. I mean, it was a pile of dung and then how it ended was even worse but uh 
it was uh you know uh, that was a, that was an interesting season. I remember Carolina wore black uniforms most of that year. Yeah, the last, they did last year a whole so black helmets, um, white jerseys, and yeah. But that that's the last time the tide went down like that. So back to your point, man. I I was wrong about a lot heading into this past too. weekend, but I, I think I've overestimated the strength of the SEC. Yeah, I mean, I you I know I, you look at you look at just some of the teams that struggled. Eastern Kentucky gave Kentucky a game. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned Austin P and Tennessee earlier. Austin P and Eastern Kentucky, those aren't the best. <laughs> when they're sending their teams, they're not sending hey, the best, you know. Here's a question for you. Who's the best team in college football? I think it's Notre Dame. Mm. Right now, or Florida State through two weeks. We've had three Notre Dame games. Notre Dame what toyed, what really about toyed with NC State. I would have to have Texas in the top three. And by the way, I want to apologize. We got an email from a guy named David who listens to our show because his son goes to USC, but he is a uh, he's a Texas fan and graduates. But he still listens to our show. I guess Gabe Cox for his second favorite team. He sent sent us an email today. Said, "Can you please not call Texas soft anymore, David? <laughs> I am not calling Texas soft anymore. They proved a lot. They were nothing, and not even close to soft Saturday Fair night. Enough. They, they played to their potential, like they should have been doing in the past. But the past is the past, right? So right. no, no, you will hear no more soft talk from me unless they lose to Kansas or something hey. like they're prone to do. But I'm I'm backing off of that Texas assault because." They were man enough to go in there and win. I mean, man, I mentioned that man enough. They were man enough to go in there and beat well, them. I'll, I'll, I'll say this because Quantrell said something here. I'm going to get to it in just a second. Cause we only have a few minutes left and we got to get out of here right now. Now it's September the 11th. All right. We got a long, 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 long way to go, but there is a scenario where you could have a totally, what we would perceive to be whacked out college football playoff with totally different juice in there. But they could be arguably outside of maybe one other program or two, the four most historic programs in the history of the sport. Florida State, Notre Dame, Texas, and Southern Cal. I mean, if you ask me who are the four most impressive teams in the country right now, I would say that those are probably four, the, the the four, maybe four of the top five, four of the top six, something like that. And 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 now Notre Dame's been in there a couple of times, and I get it, but they haven't been in there in a little while. Texas hasn't. Florida State, you know, it's been a while since they've been at the top of college football. What nine a decade, pretty much, and in uh, Southern Cal, of course, as well. So that's that's just it's strange to see. To what Quantrell said a minute ago, and we're going to talk to Mike about this tomorrow because I've said this. Nobody ever wanted to believe me, and my man Mike Morgan is one of them who's disagreed with me over the years. But I've said repeatedly, with the transfer portal and the how they continue to loosen it, and you create a larger platform in college football in the playoff, and you start getting teams that get in there, doesn't matter if it's a 12-team playoff, but Texas or whoever, Kansas State, you know, whatever, Kentucky, South Carolina, Florida, you name it, whoever, North Carolina, and you start getting teams who squeak into a 12-team playoff and they start hanging banners that say college football playoff participant. That gives you a larger platform that creates more opportunity for it to not be a three- or four-team gap at the top. We always focus on who has been there, not who could be there. And college football, you're starting to see parity with this transfer portal. 
right? You're seeing it right now, right in front of us. Look at it. Look at everything. And and I think with a larger platform, there are going to be more and more teams that continue to cycle themselves, you know, into the top of the sport. So we're going to certainly talk to Mike about that tomorrow. Well, yeah, and you look at all right. So we mentioned Notre Dame. All right, so they weren't they didn't go get twenty players of the transfer portal, but they got. Uh, they by the way, out. let let me break you real quick here. Mississippi State has been set for a seven thirty kick on the SEC network. Seven thirty kick. Ooh, a night game, network. delicious. Yep. That makes me happy. Nice. Yep. Uh, Seven thirty. Heck yeah. Good. Yeah, God smiling on the Gamecocks today. Woo. Um. <laughs> anyway, no. Uh, uh. You know, I, I Notre Dame. I mean, so they didn't get a bunch of guys out of the portal, but they, they got the one that matters, Sam Hartman. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Florida State's redone their whole roster primarily through the portal, and Mike Norvell's done a great job coaching those guys up and getting them to jail. You know. Uh, Texas has some guys from the portal that they've gotten, um, you know, and I think that's helped them, you know, especially some of these guys they brought from from Bama and, and elsewhere. But uh, you know, the only one that hadn't is Michigan. Michigan, um, Michigan, sort of built it the old school way, but we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But yeah, it's it's the SEC could get shut out of the playoff, guys. I, no doubt, could happen. Happen. It could happen. Oh yeah. I don't know. They have to eat their own, though. It would be interesting. Like, you think a yeah. two-loss SEC champion, assuming that you don't have four undefeateds, would still sneak in? I don't know. Not a two-loss. One-loss, maybe. Two loss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think that, again, this is more uh, that we'll talk about tomorrow. Um, but... You know, you look at the Pac-12. They've got eight teams in the top twenty-five right now. I don't know how it's going to finish, but right now, you got to wonder what they're wondering. What did we do? Like, what have we done to ourselves? This might be the best year in the history of the Pac-12, and now all these teams are going to go out and join other leagues and just get buried, uh, you know, or mixed in there with a bunch of other programs. Um, so we're going to get to that tomorrow with Mike. That's a great topic with him, uh, certainly about the new platform and, and just how college football's evolved. And uh, to the point of the uh, SEC, the league is only three and six against Power Five teams this season. It's not good. It's just not good. Hey, look, we beat our. Ch- I'm one of them. Beat your chest every year when the league's really good. Guess what? When you suck, you suck. And right now, comparatively to what they usually do and whom they've played against, it's not good. They suck. They it reminds me. Reminds me a lot of 2016 this year for some reason. And then the quarterbacks are better this year than that year, which was a disaster quarterback-wise. But there's just something – something's askew in the SEC. Got to get better, man. Yep. Got to get better. All right. Thanks to John and Pat, and thanks to Schubert and Mad Dog. Mad Dog, you got to be careful on Saturdays. It's been a rough start to the football season for you. We got we to gotta get you get you home without any more big bang-ups. All right. I'd be nice to go through a Saturday without having some sort of calamity befall me. Yeah. <laughs> the Molinax family's really, really, really went through. Oh, forgot to mention Britain's uh, and Shane's show. Go check out Shane's show, Beamer's show, what he's got on. That came from Britain's. Go see Perry, uh, all those guys down there on Divine Street. We'll talk more about them tomorrow, obviously. But uh, wanted forgot to get that in. I, I, was, I, I wrote it down, and you see how uh, smart I am. So there you go.
Traveling Country Club teases up, as always, the coolest club in the Carolinas. TravelingCountryClub.com. The weather is chilling down, 45 courses to play between two states. We'll see you tomorrow at 11 on Inside the Gamecocks, the show.